0: Chapter 25 Troutman. When the NVA leadership inspected Room 5 in the minutes following the escape, Troutman and his staff knew their time would come. The wait itself was torture. It stretched out for days, then a week. Troutman said,
1: They left me alone for a very uncomfortable length of time. I, I, was, I knew they were going to get me, but they just. Captain House and with them. They kept bringing camp officials around several days, even coming into the cell and pointing to me, but never called me out for interrogation, never put a finger on me. And I couldn't take this, because I knew it was going to happen.
0: They finally took him on May 20th. Troutman talked only briefly of that torturous time, and even then he stifled sobs and tears. But
1: the On two separate occasions, I went through the ropes over two periods, and then two separate sessions of uh, beating me across the back and the buttocks with a, a a policeman's truncheon, a big, uh, hard rubber nightstick, and just beating me across the back and my butt. And I didn't know how severe this was until I started. Paying the next ten days to get past the blood.
0: The North Vietnamese kept Troutman awake for five days.
1: Commandment either pound on the door or or shot me across the face and wake me up. Uh, he we just would not let me sleep.
0: They clamped his ankles in heavy jumbo irons for more than a week. Larger, thicker, and significantly heavier than the ankle irons they wore at the annex, the jumbo irons included a heavy iron bar that dragged from a chain linking the ankle cuffs. Americans who suffered the jumbo irons estimated they weighed 50 to 70 pounds a set. Troutman said,
1: Just the sheer weight of it draws blood on your ankles. And after the ankles became infected. They took the jumbo irons off, but they easily put on the regular irons.
0: More than once, Troutman thought he would die in the ropes.
1: I felt close to death a couple times. death of my children. When I was in the ropes, they put me in the ropes so damn tight that uh, it was start to pinch my windpipe. Uh, I couldn't talk anymore I, I, uh, because they would, they would question me while they were tightening the ropes. And I... So eventually, I just couldn't talk anymore. Then it was difficult to begin breathing. I would just, the the second in air, I would begin to choke. And I could feel my heart like like a jackhammer just, and I really expected my whole coronary system to explode or my heart to rupture.
0: He did not die but suffered psychologically even after the torture ended.
1: After about two weeks of torture they, they finally left me alone and I went bananas banana with hallucinations.
0: He had visions of being hanged and believed the NVA stood him next to an open pit where he was executed.
1: I was visualizing firing squad. I could hear the shots. I could hear the execution commands.
0: He conversed with cellmates who were not there.
1: I saw the my cell just started to rotate like a pinwheel.
0: And, like the others, he broke.
1: They beat the crap out of me, and I told them the truth. I told them the whole detail of the escape, why we did it.
0: Troutman did not attempt to deceive his interrogators, as Baugh and perhaps others had.
1: I made this criteria known well before the escape. I put the word out. It was too complicated to come up with a cover story. Because of all the cumbersome communications to fuck with a cover story and spread it from room to room. In essence, I said, if this fails, we're caught. And I said, three words tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Finger me, tell the truth. There's nothing dishonorable what we did. Uh, uh, American prisoners trying to escape. I said, did it with SR approval, finger me, and, and be truthful. Don't beat around the bush
0: with cover stories. Back at the annex, the North Vietnamese did not forget the SRO staff. Mike McGrath said, quote, Connie was gone for several days, then they started taking us out individually, working us over and interrogating us, wanting to know our structure, end quote. Every man was broken, often more than once. McGrath continued, quote, Once they leave you alone, start resisting again. He called it a common-sense strategy. Quote, don't cooperate with them, but keep the ball bouncing back and forth. Make them come at you again. End quote. Again and again, the NVA would break them. Quote, about a week later, they could say, okay, McGrath, you're the intelligence officer of that room. End quote. Laurie said the North Vietnamese also learned that the men of the annex could communicate with the adjacent zoo
1: the Vietnamese found out very quickly, uh, after the escape, that yes, there was communication between the
0: two camps. Worse, the North Vietnamese were convinced that Zoo leadership, specifically Red McDaniel and SRO Larry Garino, knew of and approved the party plans. But they didn't. Uh,
1: they wanted me to thank Guarino, and I said,
0: absolutely not. Because of the difficulty communicating with the zoo, Troutman never passed word of the party to the zoo until the morning it happened. That was my condition,
1: my criteria. No one knows except me, so no one else gets hurt. I didn't want to get get to the zoo because that even made more communication links. Subject for interception, misinterpretation, confusion. It was bad enough going through eight different cells. And I didn't want to get the zoo involved. And I thought, if they don't know anything, they can't tell anything.
0: Lingell put it more succinctly.
1: The more you put the word across the net, someone's going to fuck it up.
0: The policy backfired. Al Meyer said.
1: They just couldn't
0: believe those guys they didn't
2: know anything about it. Jermisi said. They thought it was such a you know, a magnificently planned uh, operation that uh, everybody had to be involved one way or another.
0: The North Vietnamese expanded their torture program to the senior prisoners on the zoo side of the wall. Troutman said,
1: Well, that turned out to be a tragic mistake because they jumped under the zoo people uh, and just beat them uh, severely. They did John or me or maybe worse? Because since they couldn't tell anything, they kept on beating them. And they fabricated their own stories, which never matched up with anybody else, and that just compounded the problem.
0: Zoo prisoners were brutalized for information they didn't know and had no way to vindicate themselves. Meyer said, By
1: the time they got those guys over to the zoo, they already knew everything. These guys gave
0: a wrong answer they never knew the zoo's ranking Americans suffered some of the most brutal torture in the party's aftermath. Langell said,
1: The Vietnamese wouldn't believe that they didn't know, and that really hurt. When Kenny Plainer, uh, they almost make dog meat out of him. He hung him by his heels from the rafters, beat him with a whip, three, four hundred lashes a day for a week.
0: Decades later, Troutman still harbored guilt for the suffering in the zoo, but isolated in his own hell in the Hanoi Hilton, he did not know what was happening at the time.
1: I didn't know until many months later the extent of this, that many, many people in the zoo all of this need into them. And when I found this out, boy, this, this really hurts.
0: This really hurts. If any of his fellow prisoners blamed him, none would say so. Mike McCustion defended Troutman's decision to limit communications to the zoo. Quote, That was absolutely the right thing to do. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't do anything but the right things. End quote. Although the North Vietnamese eventually stopped torturing and beating him, Troutman spent the summer of 1969 in isolation and irons at a dismal Hanoi Hilton cell.
1: I was in irons for the, for the remainder of my time, which was... Uh, Back about the 8th of October, this is about
0: five months and Aaron's day and night. Troutman's leg irons were removed five weeks after Ho Chi Minh's death and very shortly he was trucked back to the annex. To his shock, he was placed in room 10 with some of the same men involved in the escape. McGrath said, Connie had it bad. When they got him back a long time later, he was hallucinating and disoriented. End quote. When Troutman regained his senses, he learned he was still SRO of the Annex.
1: I couldn't believe after what happened that they would put me back with my own people and let me resume authority again.
0: It was a sign that the times and treatment of American prisoners were changing and perhaps proof that Mad Dog season was over. Chapter 26, Dramisi. John Dramisi never returned to the Annex. When he and Atterbury were separated, he was held in the room of the zoo's auditorium, near Meyer, where he was beaten and abused for several days. Then the NVA trucked him to the Hanoi Hilton, probably around the same time as Troutman, where the torture and quizzes continued for five weeks. When he spoke in May 1999, he did not describe the interrogations or torture he endured in substance and covered the ensuing months in moments.
2: Anything that you ever heard of anybody being done to to them, that's what they did to me. and probably of a lot more. The severe, continuous effort was for about 38 days.
0: In addition to a single meal of bread and a cup of water each day, his punishments included the same jumbo irons that hobbled and bloodied troutmen. After more than a week, aggravated for hours daily by the yanking tension of the torturous ropes, the flesh around Dramese's ankles became so infected that the NVA were forced to remove the heavy irons before the infections went septic and Dramese died.
2: When they finally took the uh, heavy irons off, I thought to myself, oh, this is really great because the doctor came in and he treated my ankles and then he had the white bandages on on my ankles, and then after the doctor left, they put the small irons on me, you know, on, on, right over the bench, <laughs> so I had small ankle irons on, on, after they bandaged me up and, and uh, prevented me from losing my feet.
0: <laughs> During his torture and punishment, Dramisi was held in a Hanoi Hilton cell he remembered from his first stay there, prior to his arrival at the zoo. It was a room infamous among the prisoners for its use as a torture chamber," he said.
2: As a matter of fact, I probably was in the torture room longer than anybody, uh, because there were. Uh, it was another amusing thing. There were, there were some marks uh, on and the, the crossing out and tick marks and calendars and how many days that people had spent in the in the. And the infamous uh, green room, the hook room, the torture room, room 18, they were all the, the names that this, this room had. And I was looking at those and, you know, I, I think I surpassed it by three times the, the one who, who had, it, had it the most.
0: After five weeks in the torture room, almost certainly longer than Troutman's ordeal, Dormisi was moved to a small and dark cell where he remained in irons. It was a relief.
2: Before that, I'm, I'm talking about being tied up 24 hours a day with the heavy irons on and, and then going through the ropes and being beaten and all that kind of stuff. And, and then after that, well, then that was just the easy part. I did, still wasn't allowed to bathe or anything like that. And I still was, my rations were still, uh, as a matter of fact, I couldn't eat anyway you know, because of, they were just giving me, uh, I think, one piece of bread and, and water until I started to, to get back into shape. And then after that, then there was just the, the normal
0: harassment. He would wear the light ankle irons, as he called them, for nearly the rest of 1969. After months of isolation, Dramisi was eventually moved to a Hanoi Hilton cell block called Little Vegas.
2: And just before they let me loose to go join the rest of the camp, Feeding me beans, beans and bread, and I had more beans and bread that I could possibly eat. But they—they you know, they gave me a. Oh, I had. I used to get a, a bowl of beans that was was like this, and and a, and a whole loaf of bread I couldn't possibly eat. But believe it or not, I was getting pretty close to eating all of those beans and all of that bread before they let me. Uh, they let me back with the rest of the group.
0: In Little Vegas, he was held in a cell between Americans George Coker and George McKnight. They also had escaped from the NVA during their captivity, although their escape was one of spontaneous opportunity, unlike the year-long meticulous party planning. With them, Dromisi felt among his own kind. From data provided by Mike McGrath, Dromisi was moved in December 1970 to the Hanoi Hilton's huge Room 7, where he joined 46 other Americans in a more communal setting. Langell said Dramese continued to rankle cellmates.
1: He left our room in in every room he went to from there on. He he drove everybody fucking great.
0: According to Troutman, in 1972, less than a year before the Americans would be released in Operation Homecoming, Dramese hatched another escape plan. His SRO was Larry Garino, for whom Dramese had little regard and who'd been tortured horribly in the party's aftermath. Garino nixed Dremisi's idea. Troutman said,
1: They almost came to blows. Yet he wanted to do this again, knowing full well what had happened and how much misery was inflicted. That really, in my estimation, confirmed to comp- me that this guy's on the Eagle trip.
0: Dremisi would remain at the Hanoi Hilton until Operation Homecoming in March, 1973. Chapter 27. Atterbury. No American knows for certain what happened to Ed Atterbury after he and Dramesey were returned to the zoo. Numerous contemporary POW histories report that on Sunday, May 11th, zoo prisoners saw two Americans, presumably Atterbury and Dramesey, blindfolded and handcuffed, brought into the zoo in a jeeper truck. According to Dramesey, Atterbury shook his hand and said, well, we tried. Then they were separated. Soon after, in the auditorium, Al Meyer thought he heard them both being abused in nearby rooms. From there, Atterbury's fate dissolved into vague clues and the suspicions of his cellmates. And like many of their memories and emotions that drove the party, even their suspicions about Atterbury's fate differ widely. According to Baugh, the prevailing theory among his cellmates was that Atterbury died while in the ropes. Baugh said, quote, No one knows for sure, but conjecture is they did that to Ed and he threw up or gagged or suffocated. Often they'd tie you around the neck so you could hardly breathe. Maybe they did it too good to him. End quote. That is not hard to conceive, considering how close to death Connie Troutman had felt during his time in the ropes during Mad Dog season. Troutman said. Baugh noted that the interrogators would sometimes gag a man and leave him alone contorted in the ropes for hours. It is easy to envision Atterbury suffocating slowly or choking to death on his own vomit while left unattended. Baugh believed Atterbury died at the zoo on his first day after recapture. He said,
1: After that first day, they wouldn't let you in a room alone. They'd always pushed the a guard in there with you.
0: He believed that was to prevent another unintended death. Langell and Meyer were held in the zoo after the escape. They also believe Atterbury died there or was close to death in those first few days after the escape. Meyer recalled an ambulance at the zoo several days after the party dolls returned. He said, There was an ambulance that came
1: into the compound and sat there for a long time, idling. And you know, other just sounded it, it wasn't too well to, and a very rough I guess that was the ambulance that picked up Atterbury they picked up his body. Because later on we found out other people that they had seen them carrying a the body out to that ambulance. And were people and others, they all watching through
0: people. Langell recalled the commotion was sooner. Quote, it seemed to me there was the second night. There was an indication they took someone away which we ended up assuming was probably Atterbury, end quote. Mike Brazelton, SRO of Room 1, postulated that Atterbury may have committed suicide. It's a plausible scenario, given Atterbury's possible motives for escape, assuming he had the means. Brazelton thought he did. Brazelton wrote in an email, quote, It was thought that the NVA may have accidentally killed him when they were torturing him. I thought that was unlikely. The NVA were good at making us feel pain, but they never tortured us to near death. Of course, they were probably extra angry and embarrassed by John and Ed. When I learned that Ed was probably dead, I thought back to a time in my cell in the auditorium when the guards took my water pot away from me. I thought it was strange at the time, but I didn't have an idea of why they might have done that. I think it may have happened to other SROs that were in isolation at the time. It occurred to me that maybe, perhaps, Ed had broken his water jug and used the sharp edges to cut his wrists. End quote. It may have been Atterbury's final escape to protect the secrets he knew. According to one official Air Force record, Atterbury was last seen alive by fellow Americans on May 14th, three days after his recapture. For his escape attempt, Atterbury was posthumously awarded the Air Force Cross, second only to the Medal of Honor in military precedence. Dermesey also received the Air Force Cross for the escape attempt, and Troutman did too, for his heroism during the torturous purge that followed. As of this writing, Dermesey is one of only four men to be awarded the medal more than once. The written citation accompanying Atterbury's Air Force Cross read, The Air Force Cross is presented to Edwin Lee Atterbury, Lieutenant Colonel, United States Air Force, for extraordinary heroism in military operations against an opposing armed force as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam from 11 May 1969 to 14 May 1969. On 11 May 1969, Lieutenant Colonel Atterbury escaped from the North Vietnamese prison camp known as the Zoo and was recaptured 12 hours later. He was subjected to brutal torture for confessions pertaining to camp leadership, organization, and details of his escape plans. He was last seen by other prisoners of war on 14 May 1969, and the North Vietnamese later reported that Lieutenant Colonel Atterbury had died. Through his extraordinary heroism and willpower in the face of the enemy, Lieutenant Colonel Atterbury reflected the highest credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. As a reader can see, Atterbury also was posthumously promoted to lieutenant colonel, one rank higher than major. The rank had been denied multiple times prior to his shootdown. Unknown to Atterbury before his death, but later revealed to other prisoners prior to their 1973 release, Atterbury had been promoted to major during his imprisonment, like Dramese and Baugh. He would not have outranked those two during their captivity but any obligation he felt to escape to ensure promotion was moot. Newcomb believes Atterbury may have died protecting the secret of the coded letter writing program. He based that on his own post-party torture sessions. Newcomb said, quote, In the torture session following the escape, after three or four days, they'd gone through organization, communication, stuff like that. Then the Vietnamese came in and said, Tomorrow, we want to know how you communicate with the United States government. End quote. This reflected standard NVA interrogation strategies, making their American prisoners fear what was coming next and using intel gleaned from one American in quiz and torture one day against other Americans in subsequent quizzes. Newcomb said, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a sticky one. The interrogators may know about the code program, that Atterbury was part of it, and Atterbury told Newcomb about it, or perhaps they knew some or none of those things. If his answers didn't match what they already knew, he would suffer. Newcomb wondered, how in the heck do I work around this? When the interrogators returned the next day, he feared his time in the ropes was going to be a bad one. Instead, he said in surprise, quote, they dropped the subject. They already had the answer. Or I think at that point, Ed had been tortured to death over that issue. I think he died keeping that a secret. I'm not sure how I would have done had I been in his shoes. I really don't. End quote. The Associated Press's Fred Hoffman wrote a story of the escape in late March 1973, soon after 591 prisoners came home based on an interview or news conference with Dermacy. Hoffman wrote, quote, other military sources said POWs have told American debriefers Atterbury was returned to the prison compound obviously beaten and then taken out again and never seen from then on. End quote. That would support those who believe Atterbury died in the zoo immediately following his recapture. But Hoffman's military sources could have been referring to the same men interviewed for this story. At some point in the party saga, Few people should be surprised to read that John Dermese's belief about Atterbury's fate differed greatly from his Room 6 cellmate's recollections. Dermese believed that a few days after the escape, the North Vietnamese moved Atterbury to the Hanoi Hilton, just as they had moved Dermese and, days later, Troutman. Dermese acknowledged that he had no direct contact with Atterbury after the handshake in the zoo, but he believed Atterbury died about a week into Dermese's 38 days of torture, on or about May 18th he said.
2: Where uh, the heavy irons were on and my feet were bloated up and I had feigned this collapsing and, uh, you know, we were, it was a terrible situation. And then I think about that time is when Ed Atterbury died. And so they figured, well, they better ease off now because we're going to have another death on our hands. So I Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm just speculating that that's when they came and and attended to my ankles because they
0: were in such terrible shape. Dermese's account was supported by the late Admiral James Stockdale, who co-wrote the book In Love and War with his wife Sybil, recounting his eight-plus years as a POW. In the book, Stockdale said he was moved on May 15th from his cell, Room 5 at the Hanoi Hilton's Heartbreak Hotel, to make room for Atterbury. However, it's unclear how Stockdale knew Atterbury replaced him in that cell. He doesn't write specifically of seeing Atterbury. In fact, his story implies he didn't see any American when he was moved from that cell. He does report receiving a note with news of Atterbury's death some weeks later. It is hard to see how that information would have traveled from the zoo to the Hanoi Hilton if Atterbury were not there. Stockdale also wrote that Drameese claimed to have heard Atterbury suffering torture in Room 5. So, the origin of Stockdale's intel about Atterbury is unclear. Did the idea that Atterbury was at the Hanoi Hilton and died there originate with Drameese, then get communicated via other prisoners to Stockdale? Or did another American see Atterbury and start the intel chain? Prior to the POW's release in early 1973, Dermacy saw closure from the NVA officer who tortured him in the weeks following the party. Dermacy said,
2: I actually uh, approached the bug and asked him point blank. And his quote to me, which is in my book, is that uh, Ed Atterbury died of a serious disease. But it's in- interesting that I think he even gave me the
0: In Dramisi's code of honor, he said the bug told him that Atterbury died on May 18, 1969. Troutman dismissed the bug's claim.
1: There's no doubt in my mind he was killed. No doubt. No doubt whatsoever uh, to the torture. He sure as hell didn't die from some infectious disease.
0: Regardless of the day and place of his death by torture, Atterbury was not on a list of American POWs released by the North Vietnamese in 1970, even though his photo had appeared in the official North Vietnamese newspaper, Nandan Dan, two days after his shootdown in August 1967. In March 1970, AP reporter Dan DeLuce wrote that he saw Atterbury's name among items belonging to American airmen on display in a Hanoi war exhibit where DeLuce was taken on a government-guided media tour. By then, the U.S. government knew Atterbury had been captured, but his family had received no letters from him, according to multiple newspaper stories from Texas in September and October of 1970. Atterbury's wife, Thalia, garnered media coverage from several Central Texas newspapers for organizing a letter-writing campaign to her husband in the hopes it would spur the North Vietnamese into acknowledging his captivity and allow the Atterbury's to send and receive letters. The tactic had worked for the wife of another POW, Navy Lieutenant Dan Glenn. Of course, it was too late for Ed Atterbury. But in an updated POW list released just before Christmas 1970, the North Vietnamese listed Atterbury as died May 18, 1969, just as the bug would tell Dremisi more than three years later. In January 1973, just weeks before Operation Homecoming, when the North Vietnamese were required to provide a full accounting of all Americans held prisoner, Atterbury's name again was on a list of Americans, 55 in all, who died in captivity. Today, a building at Randolph Air Force Base, Texas, bears his name. It's a fitting tribute, as the building is home to the 560th Flying Training Squadron, a unit that has maintained close ties with the POW community since 1973. Following Operation Homecoming, about 50 Air Force pilots among the returned prisoners were rated healthy enough to return to the cockpit. They were requalified by the training squadron, and the squadron's Atterbury Hall is a museum of POW memorabilia. The remains of Lt. Col. Edwin Lee Atterbury were returned to the United States on March 13, 1974. He was laid to rest by his family on April 27, 1974, at Restland Memorial Park in Dallas. His name on the wall in Washington, D.C., is found at Panel 24E, Line 102. You've been listening to the Party dolls, the 10 episode podcast of the book by me, George Hayward. Next week in the final episode of the Party Dolls podcast, we cover what happened to American POWs between Mad Dog season and the release in 1973, and the men who lived the party reflect on the consequences, including Ed Atterbury's death. Thank you. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.